This is dead life. It's how we live 24 7, 365. Check me. Gas station glasses, don't care what the masses think about me with my sweet goatee. I'm rocking my Dockers with a cuff and a crease. I got that St. John's Bay and a clip for my piece. I look nice. I got dozens of dollars and that's right. It goes straight to my daughters and my wife. I'm a miracle dad, making magic with the checkbook is the talent I have. I roll hard in the yard with a 60 inch cut. Zero turn radius, my neighbors say, what? They be driving by, peeping my landscape. Yo, these greens got nothing on my manscape. Hydrangeas, begonias, crepe myrtles. Ornamental turtle. Hold up, is that a weed in my fescue? Aw, oh, nah, round up to the rescue. It's the dead life, it's the dead life. Take my daughter to the party. It's the dad life. It's the dad life. It's the dad life. Shooting vids of the kids. It's the dad life. Roll up to the splash pad. 10 a.m. My whole entourage hops out the minivan. We splishy splashy for an hour or two. Then it's back to the house. Prepping for the barbecue. Brats, dogs, racker ribs, whatever. Get me on the Weaver, man. Nobody does it better. Call me Lord of the Grill. I'm king of the coals. Nana secret recipe. You know how I roll. 1080p, 16 by 9. I'm rocking man cave status with a screen like mine. Keep your peanut butter hands off my 50 inch physio. Pop up the corn, roll the Disney video. We got Aladdin, Jasmine, Abu, the genie. With kids like mine, everybody wants to be me. Sing the night song and then it's off to bed. This is the dad life, no more to be said. It's the dad life, it's the dad life. Hit the mall, coaching ball. It's the dad life, it's the dad life, it's the dad life. Playing rough, fixing stuff. It's the dad life, it's the dad life, it's the dad life. Yeah, you know how we do it, it's the dad life. Well, happy Father's Day, right? Can we give it up for all the dads in the house? Woo! All right. And all you young single men, look what you have to look forward to. Isn't that cool? Awesome. Well, this weekend, we, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 27. And um, I, uh, we want to just kind of talk a little bit, with this being Father's Day weekend, uh, just a little bit about dad, a little bit about men, a little bit about all of that. And I got to thinking, Tammy and I were talking a little bit today. I was on the phone with my parents today. And, and just of all the times growing up, I had a younger brother, two years younger than me, how we tested the limits of my father. I know nobody else did that, right? His patience, his sanity. And we felt his power, a.k.a. the belt, right? And uh, my dad, he could use a belt like Indiana Jones used a whip. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he was quick. And, uh, but we deserved it. And I, I was just thinking of all the stuff that we did. And some of the things I can't even tell you. We got to laughing about some of the stuff. It was all my brother, not me. But all the stuff that we did, you know, learning how to drive in that old GM pickup truck, which was a, a standard or a manual transmission with a three-speed three shift, burned out two uh, clutches, right, two, you know, 
basically transmissions in that thing. Um, yeah, learning how to drive. Um, uh, just uh, I, ER trips. Man, to the, to, uh, I, I thank the Lord for my two daughters. This, they're so wonderful. Because my brother and I, we were in and out of the ER all the time. I'll never forget one time, my younger brother, uh, who is, uh, this has no spiritual relevance, but it's just kind of a funny story. And he's on the playground, right, at school. And all of a sudden I hear, man, your brother's being, he's being sent to uh, the ER, like the ambulance is on the playground and the whole deal. And he was going across the monkey bars, looking at the girls, waving, all that kind of stuff. Boom, fell on his back, knocked the, knocked the wind out of him. And he realized he had all this attention. People a little overreacted a little bit. And uh, so he just laid there while the ER got him. Can you imagine this? My dad's like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. The money gets on the whole deal, takes him over there. They call my dad from the plant. He's got to come across town, off the plant floor. My mother goes over there. They both go in there. And my brother at this point realizes I am in deep weeds. I have, he was faking it. And, and this is what I'm doing. And I'm laying there. And all of a sudden, the doctor says, look, there's nothing wrong. Austin's like, okay, cool. Let's go to McDonald's. It gets up. My dad's like, uh-uh. I mean, just all of the times that we, like, pushed it. And I think we all have those stories. And I would say that's probably healthy to kind of unpack those on good holidays like weekends like this, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Maybe say, I'm sorry. I don't know. But... But it's, and it's somewhat amusing. And what's interesting to me about God's word is he gives insight to families uh, all throughout scripture and stories and accounts, especially in the Old Testament, of real life. And I think sometimes we think that, man, we can't, you know, these are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and this is David and Gideon, and, 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 and you know, and, and we hear all of these in Peter and James and Paul, and we have no identity. But really, these people were very flawed. And they really had huge imperfections. And their families were not the most functional in the world. And, uh, and so let's look at one of those dysfunctional families. At least it will make us all feel better about ourselves, all right? But Genesis chapter 27 gives us the account of, of, of a family of Isaac and Rebekah. She has these two sons, or they have these two sons, uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's the younger, Esau's the older. And they're, neither one of them are alike at all. I mean, there is no, like, they're opposite. Uh, Esau is a, is a woodsman. He's, he's, a, he's kind of a manly man and burly and big and strong and very hairy arms and, and, uh, and the whole deal. And, and, and Jacob is more kind of a mama's boy and, and a little soft. And, and um, anyhow, I'll leave it there. And Isaac is growing old, the Bible says in Genesis 27, and his sight is, has left him. And, uh, and he is deciding that it's time to, pla- to pass the blessing to his oldest son, Esau. And now you have to understand, the Jewish, uh, the Jewish father's blessing was a very formal thing. It was, a, it, was, it was a very serious thing. It was a passing not only of the honor of the family, but also the authority of the family on to the next generation. And so it was, it was, a, it was a big deal. And it basically was signaling that the father was giving the, the leadership of the family to his son, and in doing so, the eldest son would get the double blessing. He would get twice the inheritance, twice the possessions, because it was his responsibility to take care of the mother and to take care of, of all the other siblings that were there and to lead the family, to lead not just the immediate family, but even the family at large, if need be. And so um, this is about to happen. Matter of fact, if you look in Genesis 27, verses 2, 3, and 4, it starts there. Isaac tells Esau, I am now an old man. And I don't know the day of my death. 
So now I want you to go get your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and I want you to go into the open country and hunt some wild game for me and prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give my blessing before I die. So Esau leaves and he goes and he does this. And while he's gone, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, the mother, uh, because uh, she seizes this opportunity to secure the blessing for the younger brother, Jacob. Now, in this, you see this. Parents, the, Isaac, the father, has this, this kindred spirit with his eldest son, Esau. They have this, this, this just connection. And Rebecca, the mother, has this connection with her son, Jacob, with the youngest. And so basically what she tells Jacob is here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to make some food the way your father likes it. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. All right. And so, um, <laughs> and so, and then I'm going to, to suit you up and I'm going to put actually goat skin on your arms. You can imagine so that when your father touches you, because uh, he'll think that you're Esau. Could you imagine how hairy Esau was? Just think about that for a second. This is really happening in Scripture. I didn't embellish this at all. And so, right, so Harry, and then I'm going to send you in with the food, and then he's going to bless you. And the blessing was a real deal. The blessing was a conveyance. The blessing put you ahead in life. And so she kind of connives this. So you see this dysfunction, even between this husband and this wife and this favorite of these kids and, and all of this kind of a deal. And, and just a parenthetical thought, the blessing was supposed to go to the eldest son. That's, that was the way that Scripture designed it. So... Jacob, I mean, uh, excuse me, Isaac was doing right by passing on to, to uh, Esau, but Rebekah, the mother, was trying to get her way and get her favorite kind of up front. And so in verse 19, the Bible says, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn, and I have done as you've told me. So please sit up and, and eat some of my game so that you may, so that, uh, you may give me your blessing. Isaac becomes very suspicious. Going down to verse 21. And Isaac says to Jacob, not knowing that it's Jacob, come near so that I can touch you, my son, and know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him. And, the vo- and he says, the voice, this is what Isaac says, the father, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, and so he blessed him. Now skip on down to verse 27. 28 and 29, and it shows you the blessing that Isaac bestows upon Jacob that was supposed to go to Esau, but goes to Jacob. So he went to him and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew of earth's richness and abundance of grain and of new wine. May the nations serve you and the peoples bow down to you and be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you and may those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Now here's what you have to understand. According to the way that it was done and according to the blessing of the Father, those things happened. That wasn't just some mere words that were spoken. It was something that was spoken into existence. Because this is how God instructed them, uh, according to the law, to pass on blessing to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. So when he's saying, let whoever blesses you be blessed, whoever curses you be cursed, that was serious business. That wasn't just father talk or, 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 or you know, he's just kind of a senile old man. That is really the words of the, that actually will carry on with this blessing, and they come to pass. I just want you to understand, they, they don't just, it's not just... 
you know, attaboy, or I love you, son, or, or I'm, I'm about to leave this earth and just want to give you one last hug. This was a blessing. These things happened. This was like you could go to the bank and cash it. It was there. And so it was a very powerful thing. And here's what I want you to, want you to get. The power of a father is in the blessing. The power of a dad is in the blessing. This is something that scripture gives every father, gives every dad, the potential of every man in this room is to bless. And, and when I, we say blessing, I want because sometimes that's a very, I mean, and you look at the dictionary, there's so many different definitions. Probably the easiest way to understand what's happening between a father and between a child when you speak of the blessing of a father, it's, it's basically the gift of empowerment. It's, it's, it's speaking life, it's speaking future, it's speaking hope, it's speaking over that child. And there's a conveyance of that from the father to the child that happens. Now, a mother's role is very special and it's very important. And she has a, a, very, a, a very, 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 very vital place. But there's nothing that can quite replace that blessing of a father to a child. All throughout scripture we see this. And, and uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but, but, but uh, uh, just what happens when there's an absence of that. But, but the reality is, is that there's a power, and I want you to catch that. I want, you to, I want you to, that to sink in with you, is that when we talk about a father's blessing, we are speaking about the empowerment that a, a father can speak into the life of a child. And it's not mere words. They're things that, that really produce life in that child. Dr. Gary Smalley, who's a Christian psychologist, written many, many books, phenomenal conference speaker, wrote a book called The Blessing. And he talks about the power of the blessing from, from, the, from the father to the child. And in this book called The Blessing, he really dissects this whole bestowing of a blessing between Isaac, the father, and between Jacob, the son. And he makes this statement. I want to read this. It's not going to be on the screen. I want to read this for you, though. He said, The blessing contains four ingredients that ought to be present in every home today. And when those four ingredients are present and practiced consistently, our children grow up solid and secure and confident of themselves to go out into a world and function normally. And I want to basically give you those four ingredients because I think they're powerful. And men, I want to say this to you. I want you to understand that this is something that God has given you that only you can do in your family, only you can do in your home. It's a place that God's given you to do these things. It's what we see in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this blessing that goes to the children, and it's something that you have the ability to do. And, um, and so the, the first is, is, the, is the power of the blessing of touch. It's, it's touch. So I'm just making this real simple. I mean, uh, uh, Smalley's, Dr. Smalley's just has these big, long sentences. I'm just reducing it down to just a one-word phrase that maybe will help us. In verse 22, we see, And Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him. Verse 26, Then, the, then his father Isaac sent him, said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. Almost every time a blessing is bestowed in the Hebrew culture, there is some connection of touch. There's a laying on of hands. Uh, we, see that with, uh, we see that with Jacob and, uh, and Joseph. Uh, we see that uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of, of Joseph, the, he actually crosses his hands. And, J- and Joseph says, no, father, you're, you're blind. You don't understand. He goes, no, no, no. The younger will be greater than, than, than the oldest. 
And, uh, and there's, a, there's a serious blessing that happens. There's a laying on of hands we see through Scripture. We see a, a kiss in this particular deal where the father kisses the, the cheek of the son. Uh, you, you, see a, uh, you see a touch. Uh, you see um, an embrace. But it, what it conveys, it conveys acceptance and it can, and conveys love. And, and let me say this. I know that mothers have that maternal instinct to, to hold and to care and to love and to, uh, with our children and to do that. But men, there is nothing that can replace the father who grabs his son or grabs his daughter and gives them that hug or lays his hand upon them or brings them gently in and kisses them on the cheek. And speaks that life into that child. I, I, I'm a, almost a 40-year-old man. And, and to this day, my father, when we'll get together for family events with my brother and myself, we're grown men with kids of our own, but my dad will look me square in the eye. My dad is a pretty stoic individual. Um, my dad's not a very emotional individual at all. But he will, he will kiss me on the cheek, and he will tell me that he loves me and that he's proud of me. And I'm telling you, I'm a very, um, words of affirmation mean a lot to me. But there is no one that can speak that in my life more greater than my father. I I have a lot of people that, that in my life that are great friends of mine. And and, and I've had people that that God has blessed me with, great mentors. And and their their words of encouragement mean much. Uh, But there's nothing that quite replaces that of a father that speaks that life. And I just want to encourage you men, uh, those, those of you that are dads in this room, whether your kids are a million miles away or whether they're still living under your roof, this weekend, communicate that to them. Maybe you go, I didn't have that as a kid. I, I don't have that example. Well, then why don't you start that in your family? You make sure that your children get that. Maybe you're a single young man and you go, but I just don't. And, 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 and I, you know what? And I didn't have an example of that. Well, then mark that down. Write that down somewhere. Write that inside the leaflet of, of, of your Bible. And remember that when you get to that place, that you're going to respond the way that, that the men of the Old Testament, they respond, that were men, men, that, that, that stood up, but, but, had, but in, that, that, in that sense would, would, would touch their children with this warm, affirming, affectionate, loving embrace to communicate to them that all is well and that everything's all right and to convey that. You want to give confidence to your children? You want to give strength to your children? You want your children to work functionally in the world that we live in? That's what they need. I'm just telling you. They don't need another Xbox game. They don't need a DS. Kids don't shout me down. They don't need another computer game. They don't need more money. They don't need more. They just need that. They need that affirming touch. Sometimes they need that affirming touch in my father's belt. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Right? My dad didn't understand what timeout was. He still didn't get timeout. So anyhow, it's just one of those. But they need that that only a father can give. And maybe you go, man, my kids are raised. And I, I see that in scripture. But I didn't do that for my kids. We'll surprise them this year. I'm telling you, I don't care how old you get. I don't care how old that I get. That in my life is far more precious than anything else. The second thing is, and that we see it right here, of this father's blessing, is the champion of the child. To champion your child. To, to, to do this. In verse 27, Isaac says, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. Now that may not mean much to you. <laughs> right? You may go, well, it's kind of musty and kind of that old musk kind of 
Joe Vaughn stuff you get for $6 a bottle that you have when you're in the sixth grade. Some of you still wear it. All right. Right, you know, I'm going to say, so, so the, the deal is we're not talking about that, the old spice mill, right? We're, we're talking about the fact is, is that if you read the life of, of Joe, if you read the life of, of Isaac and his relationship with his son Esau, he loved the fact that his son was this, this burly woodsman, outdoorsman. He just, he championed that. And it wasn't that he dis, didn't dislike Jacob, his younger. He just had this connection with his son. And, um, and you see him, so when he says that to him, it's an affirmation of who and what Esau is. It's who and what his son is. When we as fathers speak to our children, we speak life, or we should. We speak words that build, or we should, and words that construct. Not words that demean and that tear down. Now listen, we all get like a little bit on edge. Let's just all be honest right here. It's just us. We all get, raise a voice a little bit, right? We all have our moments. I'm just telling you. And, uh, and that's fine, you know. Uh, my dad, he would get frustrated with things and he would say, come here, get out of here, come back here, what are you doing? Don't look at me like that. Pick up that wrench, get, get out of here. He would yell for my mother, come get these boys, I can't do anything with them. Y'all get out here. And I was thinking to myself, make up your mind, man, right? And, uh, but as a parent, I do the exact same thing. And it's just, I'm, we're not talking about just life. I mean, that, that, but, but, I don't think Johnny should always get first place and always get a trophy and always get a ribbon because I don't think that's life. But at the same time, I do think that when the father comes in and champions the son, champions the daughter, champions the child for what they are gifted at, for what God's put in them, sees the giftings in their life and help them and speak to them, even correctively speak to them, it empowers that child. It listens to that child. Listen, I youth pastored for almost a decade and I can tell you as a youth pastor... And Timmy can attest to this as well. And you can talk to Kevin or Noel or anybody else on our staff that works with students. They'll tell you this. The number one influence is parents. I know, you, I know you don't think you are. I know you're not cool in their eyes. I know all that. But I'm telling you, the number one thing that influences that child is not their friends. It's not their teachers. It's not even a coach. It's their parents first. That's the greatest amount of influence. And you may go, you have lost your mind. I'm telling you, it, 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 statistics prove it over and over and over again. Because the reality is, is when you're championed by your parent, they remember. Do you remember if your parents were there in the stands when you were playing your games? Do you remember if your parents were there or not? you remember if people were there or not? you remember that stuff? you remember all that stuff? That's why it's so important to say, you know what, uh, uh, we, you know, as a family, there's going to be things we're going to do. And if this is an event or an activity you're going to be a part of, then we're going to do this as a family. If this is going to be a, 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 some event you're going to be a part of, we're going to champion that. This is a gifting that you have. We're going to learn about it. And even if it's not something I know about, because you're my child and because I love you, I want to learn about this and I want to help you excel in this area. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to be running a taxi service all over Tarnation, all over creation. Tarnation, that's a southern word for everywhere. I'm sorry. So... I'm going to do that. But it does mean that what I'm going to do is that I'm going to help champion you. I'm going to help affirm the things in you that God's placed in you. I'm going to help affirm those giftings. I'm going to help, help establish those things. I'm going to speak life into you. I'm going to give you confidence through those awkward adolescent years. I'm going to give you confident, confidence as you're growing. I, I'm going to parent you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to instruct you. Not for my benefit, but for your benefit. Not for my correction, but for your correction. 
I think sometimes, too, as parents, we're scared of we say too much, we do too much, or whatever. But the reality is, is that, you know, my dad, again, I just go back to my own experience. My dad was big on corporal punishment. I mean, he was big on, it was just the way it was. That was the way he talked, right? I mean, it was just what. But I never, ever felt like my dad didn't love me or care about me. I knew I had done wrong. I knew I needed to be disciplined. However you want to discipline your children, that's your business. But I knew that. And in the end of it, I had this phenomenal relationship with my father. Not because my dad was perfect. Not because my dad was the most this or that, but because of the fact that he was real and he lived it. But there was those words of affirmation, those things of affirmation, the champion of, to, to your children. The third value that Smiley says is value. That third thing that you want to add is value. Value. Uh, verse 28, may God, he says this, may God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's riches an abundance of grain and new wine. What he's saying, what Isaac is saying is you're so special that God will give you the best that he has to give. God's going, God's going to provide for you. God's going to be your source. Let God of heaven bless you in this area of your life. This is what he's going to do. And speak value into your child. Speak value into that. And we show this by our words. Again, I know this is a little bit like champion, but, but it's a little bit of connecting the dots. It's a little bit speaking into their life. Let, let God bless you. Let, let, let God do this for you. Uh, by your time, by your attention uh, that you give to them, by your attitude that you have with your children. I'm telling you, men... Just that time of, hey, what's going on? What's the high today? What's the low today? What's happening? How's this going? What's happening here? What's happening there? Talking about what's important to them. Seeing what's happening in their world. Just, just giving, you're adding value because what you're doing is you're valuing them because you're valuing what they value. You're talking to them about what they're talk, talk, talking about. Whatever it may be. And you may go, I have no clue what they're into. Well, just, just keep asking enough questions. They'll, they'll tell you. They'll come out. And, and, but it's adding that value and speaking that value. And the fourth thing that Smiley says is destiny. It's destiny. You, you speak destiny. You speak into your child's future. May the nations, verse 29, serve you. This is what he says. And may the peoples bow down to you. May you be Lord over your brothers and may, your, may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Isaac is helping him to raise his sights and to see that his future is bright. I think the big thing here is we have to beware that we sometimes we try to try to get our children to become what we want them to be rather than what God made them to be. Speak into their future. Speak into their life. When you see them, you know God's going to use you in a great way this way. You know God's got a great plan for you. You know God's going to do you this. You know, and even sometimes in fun, you know, you know, you know, hey, you're, I believe you know you're going to go far and you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And and what is it that you have in your heart? And as they get older, you're able to speak into into more and more and more as their life develops. And you're able to champion that. You're able to value that. Uh, you're able, but but you speak destiny. And here's what I guess what I'm saying is, I think sometimes we don't think of that because TV doesn't portray us that way, man. You're more than the bread earner in your family. You're, you're more than the one that comes in and pays the bills. And, and I think sometimes we think, that, well, that's all I do, and then my wife's going to take care of the kids. And I know that may sound like a very chauvinistic perspective, but I think sometimes that's very much in, in how sometimes we men, pardon our, the way we think, ladies, I think that's sometimes what we do. And just go, well, the mother will take care of this and take care of that. No, 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 no. You have a place. You have a place. You have a space in your child's life to speak into their future. You know, when, when my father is proud of something that I've done, there's nothing that makes me more feeling like I've accomplished something. 
You know, when, when getting to see that or, or getting to do that, there's just certain things that you just go. And, and here's part of it, because the deal is, is that I realize that what I have today, I have today because I had a godly father and a godly heritage. I don't know, everybody in this room's had that, but I'm just saying, but you can start that for your children. You can start that for your own family. You, may, you can't do anything about the past, but you can do something about the present and, 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 and about the future. And that, from, as, from, as, as a dad myself, in the, in the middle of, of having an elementary age child and a middle school age child at the same time, I realized that the words that I speak speak life or speak death into their future. That's stupid. I wouldn't do that. That's dumb. That's a dumb choice. Why would you want to do that? That's just so stupid. Why? You're just stupid. It, you're speaking into that child's life. Be very careful. When you go, hey, you know what? You can be anything you want to be. What, what, what's God put in your heart? What, what are the things here? Let, let's, let's try to figure this out. You know what? We'll figure it out. God will supply. You know what? If God, and you may go, I don't, I'm, I'm just trying to put together the, to pay the bills right now. I'm just trying to figure everything out. I don't even know how we're going to pay for college. Well, don't, don't write checks with your mouth that you can't cash, but you can simply say, you know what? If God's put that in your heart that you're to do that, that he's going to supply the way, and I'm, we're going to agree together, and we're going to believe together that God's going to do this, and take that journey together. Speak that life together. Do you see the power in that? To be able to speak into their life and to be able to, to see that and to recognize the gifts and recognize that. It's the approval. Because here's what happens when these things are absent. When there's no one that's touching that child. When there's no one that is, that is valuing that child. When, 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 when there's no championing of that. When, when there's no destiny that's spoken into it. Verse 33 and verse 34 tell you. Isaac, Esau, Esau walks in and finds out that his his blessing has been gone. And the Bible says this in verse 33, Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it that brought the game in and brought it to me? And I ate it just before you came in, Esau, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. Why? Because the power of the blessing, the verbal blessing of the father was already committed. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me. Me, me too, Father, bless me. Because here's what I know. I know there are some of you in this room that you didn't have a dad like Isaac. And there's something in your heart that says, bless me. What about me? What value am I? In the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the prophet says that in the last days, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, in the last day, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Why? Because there's nothing like a father's love. Why are you so sure of that? John three sixteen. for God, the father, loved us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. You want to know why young men and young women in our world, in our society today, they're out and they're, they're, they're hurting and they're ho- hoping for that father, for that father figure to step into their world and to bless them because they just want to be blessed because nobody's spoken blessing over their life. Nobody's touched them firmly with a, with a sense of affirmation life. Nobody's valued their future. Nobody's spoken to their destiny. So some of you in this room, you do that as a teacher. You do that as a coach. You do that as a mentor. You do that because you see another young man or another young woman and you see somebody and you, and, and you go, you know what? They, they need that and that's absent. And sometimes even a message like this, I kind of go, I don't know if I should preach this or that or because I know there's some people that are here and there. But, but I, I want to say to those of you in this room that have children, do these things. 
This is a biblical pattern of what it means to be a dad and what it means to be a father. For those of you in this room that are are men and you're yet to get married or you're yet to have children, make sure that you establish these things in your family, your home. Write these things down. They're very simple, but they're very powerful. But there's some of you in this room that you go, man, I'm a single mom. What do I do? The Bible says, Jesus, this is why it's so powerful. That's why Jesus said, I will be a father to the fatherless. Why? Because everybody needs a dad. I'll step in the gap. I'll bless you. I'll make your way, your your path straight. I'll guide and direct your path. I'm telling you, somebody in this room, I'm speaking into your life right now. I will speak into your future. I will speak into your destiny. I will touch you. I will affirm you. I will be your strength. Because we all need the touch of the Father. We all need the affirmation of the Father. And if that's where you are today, I just want you to understand. Don't run. Don't run from God. He's running to you. The only time God runs is when he runs to his children. That's you. That's me. And he affirms you. And he calls you his own. That's why the Bible says that he gives us a new name and he, and he blesses us and he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing upon us so great we don't have room enough to contain it. Why? Because he wants to stand in that place. And I understand there are people under the sound of my voice, that's where you are today. And I just want you to know that you're loved, that God cares about you, that he has a plan for you and that he will step in in that surrogate place. But men that are in this room, let's be men. If you see someone that they need that, step in the gap and help that. If you see someone, uh, you know, in my life as a youth pastor, I've seen young men that didn't have a dad, didn't have that figure. And although I wasn't their dad, I was their youth pastor, I could step into that role. One of my greatest joys and privileges was going to a high school graduation of a kid, when I met him, he was 16 years old, he was living in his car. Didn't know who his biological father was. His mother was with another guy, had no place to go. And I found out about it, and after youth service one night, I brought him into my office, I said, Stephen, I want you to come in here for a minute, and I want you to be honest with me. And he was a cocky little 16, skinny little kid, just thought he was all that. And I said, are you, where are you living? All around. I said, no, no, no. And the kid broke down in my, I'll never forget this, in my office. And he cried and he said, out of my car. Where's your dad? I don't even know who my dad is. Where's my, I don't. I said, we're going to fix this. Because the heart of God is to bind up the brokenhearted, to give liberty to those that are captive, to set, it, to set free those that are that are bound, to be a father to the fatherless. James says that, that pure and undefiled religion, what is it, take care of the widows and the orphans? Why? Because that's the heart of God. That's the father heart of God. And I couldn't be the boy's father, but I could figure a way out that we would put that. So Tammy and I got together and, and, uh, and uh, long story short, a, a couple, an executive with a, an oil company in Tulsa, six foot seven, huge guy, man of a man, he and his wife, they had one, one son they heard about. We talked to them. He said, I, how can I help? And I said, you live in a beautiful home. You've got plenty of space. And he said, we want to open our home to him. 
I said, this is a commitment until the kid graduates high school. He said, no, Pastor Aaron, this is a commitment until the young man graduates college. I'll never forget that night going over to their house for dinner and that kid, that 16-year-old kid, having that car packed full of stuff, going in, Bill Herring, big Bill Herring, played college basketball, huge, just a man's man cried and held that boy and just said, you will live in my home. And I may never be your biological father, but I will stand in the gap and I will pray for you and I will love you and I will care for you. I'll never forget, ORU Maybe Center, 10,000 people, Jinx High School graduation. We were there for his high school graduation. Went on to college. I'm just saying to you, there's nothing that can replace that. And this weekend, man, I just want to remind you of the place that we have. I know the world just says you're just kind of goofy and dumb and, and you just are kind of, you know, but God has put his heart in you. And whether you're a young man like Stephen and you go, man, I, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, you can, you can change the course in your future. You can change the for, course in your family. Whether you're a guy like Bill that goes, you know what, I, I'm, I, I had a good dad, but, but I see a need. You can step into somebody else's life and be that surrogate and be that. Whether, whether you know, to, to step into a young man's life and to speak and to touch. Or, or whether, whether you've received that. And you've been raised in that like I have, and you pass that on to your children. I want every man in this room to stand. Even at our West Campus, I want every man in this room to stand. I don't care if you're a junior high young man, I want you to stand in this room. Because you're, you're a young man. And here's what I want to do, men. I want to pray for you. Here at this campus, at the West Campus, you're standing. All across the, the West Campus, you're standing. And here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And ladies, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to agree with me in prayer. Because we're a whole lot more unsure about ourselves than we like to come across. And although we got a little bit of swagger, sometimes we don't have quite the confidence and we don't have quite the whatever. But I'm going to pray that God's going to bless you. He's going to bless your children. He's going to put that heart in you. It's there. And he's just going to use that. And that God's just going to put his hand upon you. Father, I just thank you for every man in this place. And I just pray, oh Lord God, that you have fearfully and wonderfully made them. And Lord, we all have flaws, we all have failures, we all have issues. But God, you have put in the side of every man in this room, you have put the ability to be able to to bless and the power to empower, Lord. God, our children and and even even those that may, God, be without a dad, maybe those that that are without a father figure, those And I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would just, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would empower them, Lord, spiritually, supernaturally, right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you would give them confidence, that you would give them strength, that you would give them discernment, that you give them revelation and knowledge and insight. God, that they would be used of you and gifted by your Holy Spirit to be able, Lord, to their children and to those that come in their path to be able to, to give that affirming touch, Lord, to be able to speak value, to be able to speak to their future, God, to be able to 
to champion Lord their children God so that they pass it on to the next generation the next generation the next generation and I pray oh God in their own lives Lord they may not have had this example God that you would just show them Lord according to your word that we just follow your word what to do Lord they may this may not even feel completely just natural because Lord they've just not been raised in that type of environment but Lord your word says that that's what it's all about Malachi 6 4 6 that you'll in the last days turn the hearts of the father towards the children and the children toward the fathers I pray for men that are standing here that may have children that are estranged to them Lord that you will reconcile those relationships Lord that you will perform your word I just ask you to do your word Lord I just stand upon your word and I remind you of your word there's there are men in this room father that they love their children but there's been a breach in the relationship and there's been a, a fracture that's there God that you would restore that supernaturally God that you would do what only you could do God that every man in this room Lord would walk out of these doors today victorious God in the confidence and the power of the Holy Spirit God from the top of their head to the soles of their feet I pray as they are men of God Lord in your will let your will be done in their lives and their family and their children as they pass the blessing on from the Father to generation to generation to generation let it be so in Jesus name Amen Amen. Men, you can be seated. Ladies, can we give the men one more hand?